0: J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.
1: All right, Anderson, thank you very much. I am Chris Cuomo. Welcome to primetime. The president's dirty secrets have been exposed. Tonight, we can finally answer the question of why the president didn't want you to see his taxes. This New York Times access to just a chunk is more than ample proof of all kinds of problems for the president. Now, you'll see tonight that between what we have learned and now that we have a much better understanding of what we need to know, we are on an entirely new footing in terms of our analysis of this president and potential problems for him, okay? And for you, in particular, you will now understand why the president has done certain things with the COVID relief bill, with his tax bill. You will understand now why he structured it the way he did, what it means to him. What you won't understand, but we'll all be on the same page, is that we need to know who has lent this president unbelievable sums of of millions that are personally guaranteed, and I'll tell you why that matters, and are due in just a few years, all right? So this much we know, okay? All of this time that he has been spending trying to deal with this and what it means, he wanted to keep this from you because he is not what he has told you and because he doesn't have what he says, because he has money coming in from places that he didn't want you to know and because he has money going out that is not only undercutting the idea of his wealth, but raises significant questions about who would lend him this money? Why would he be personally guaranteed? Very unusual in high net worth situations like his own with all these different corporate entities. Why would he personally guarantee? Why would he have to? Who's it to? National security issues, ideas of his policies, what his personal conflicts are. We have John Bolton tonight, former ambassador, head head of national security. He didn't know about these loans. Can you imagine that? You'll hear that conversation for yourself. Now, I wanna tell you that, let's set the stage with some of the sound, okay? Everything I'm about to play for you, we now know was BS. I'm really rich.
2: I built a great company one of the best companies. I built a great company.
1: No, he built a great brand. Not a company in terms of something that makes something, that sells things and takes things in and is managed and grows and has staff and has underlying equity asset value. What does that mean? Something you can borrow against. Because if he were such a great businessman, Donald Trump would not have to be personally on the hook for four hundred and twenty one million dollars personally. Okay. When's it due? It starts coming due in the next four years. Personally liable. His great company. What does that mean? Whoever was lending him the money didn't think he had a great enough company to use it as collateral. Think about that. Now, you've grown accustomed to politicians selling you a fairy tale. I get it. And I get why you don't want politicians telling you that Donald Trump is a lying uh, no-good Nick because you don't think they are either. But this is about the facts. And Donald Trump has been lying to you in ways that you'll see matter more than we would have expected. And he's been doing it for almost a decade.
3: I paid a a lot of tax. Um, And, you know, look, I don't mind. I'm proud to pay
1: it. If I owe it, I pay it. Not true. In fact, one of the few honest things that he has said was when he didn't know he was being recorded. Listen to this. When you're a star, they let you do it. You can do anything. (laughs) Donald Trump's celebrity pays really well. He makes a ton of money. Now he may think that entitles him to an entirely different set of rules because that's how he's been playing. And this is not, I know you've heard a lot today and yesterday and you'll hear tomorrow and other places tonight. Can't believe he doesn't pay any taxes. We all know these rich people game the system with their fancy accountants. You pay the accountant so that he or she signs the return so you can get away with whatever they're putting it there. We know that. We all know that nobody wants to pay any more taxes than they absolutely have to. Why? Well, you need your money and you don't trust where it's going and how they're going to use it. But this isn't that. This isn't just another rich guy working the system. He is in control of that same system. He was hired... To blow up that system, to drain the swamp, to give you more leverage. What has he done? He has ensured the system continues and has even bigger loopholes in it, not for people like you, people like him.
2: Because of our tax cuts, you can keep more of your hard earned money. It's not true.
1: He has helped mostly people like him. If you work for a living, you've likely seen your tax bill go up. These are the numbers, and I know they can slice it a million different ways. Yes, some people paid less, but it was very specific. It was not a middle-class tax cut. It was called that, but it wasn't. It was 17 cents of every dollar, and that really varies depending on how much you make and where you live. His policies make it harder for you to buy a house, but better for people like him to build them. The most powerful man on the planet urgently needs to make money. His push to lift life-saving restrictions in the spring look a whole lot different when you realize his revenue is tied to things like golf courses, hotels, real estate, everything that's suffering in the pandemic. So what we don't know may be the biggest threat, absolutely one to our national security. Who lent him the money? because it's personally guaranteed. He is on the hook. There is zero chance that he cannot care about it. And it is a tremendous sum of money, $421 million. All right, that's real money. You don't pay a percentage, you know, that's, that's money they're looking for. Now, remember, before the political need for silence, his son told a reporter something in 2014, quote, we have all the funding we need out of Russia. This level of outstanding debt would be reason enough to deny security clearances to any government worker, okay? You would not get one if you had personal loan guarantees on the hook, let alone coming from abroad. Now, what irony. How sickening is it that it doesn't apply to the person we should care about this most, the commander-in-chief. That much power placed in the hands of one man Is why another Republican president said this. People have got to know whether or not their president is a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. Infamous words, right? It had nothing to do with Watergate, but rather the fact that Nixon was dramatically underpaying his income taxes. So here's where we are. I'm telling you, the people around this president did not know what came out in his taxes. I've been scrubbing it. A lot of other pros have been scrubbing it they didn't know. The people keeping us safe have no idea who he owes and how much. Now let's get three men in here who are intimately familiar with why Trump does his taxes this way, right? A former attorney of his, Mitchell Zachary, okay? Someone who I have been working on this for 15 years for this moment to come out. Tim O'Brien, Then with the New York Times, obviously with Bloomberg, you remember him uh, from the Bloomberg campaign. He's been on MSNBC and he's here with me tonight. He literally was a mentor of mine in understanding the structures that we were trying to identify. And then we bring in the professor, David K. Johnston, to help understand what this means and what it should mean. Thank you uh, each and all. Uh, Tim, I start with you. For a long time, now you had some access, David uh, had some access also, but you always wanted more to come out so people could understand what you understand without you violating any of the rules of litigation that revealed the uh, tax records to you during your litigation against the uh, then citizen, Donald Trump with the New York Times. What jumps out for you in this chunk of stuff that the New York Times processed?
2: Uh, I think two broad issues, Chris. The first one is that Donald Trump embodies a national security threat. He's heavily indebted. He owns businesses that are in the most vulnerable sections sectors of the economy right now, that are getting ravaged by the coronavirus pandemic. Mm-hmm. Real estate, both commercial and residential, um, travel and leisure, and he has debts coming due. And Donald Trump, when he's cornered with debts, is usually usually acts like a caged animal. He's he only has two approaches to this. He either sells his assets to get his handles, get a handle on the debt. And I think he has significantly more debt than the New York Times has disclosed. I think he's got north of a billion. Um, he either sells assets or he goes for a loan. Why do you think he's got the that United, much, Tim? Just so people understand. I know it's, it's, it's publicly documented. It's public records on mortgages he's got, Chris. Um, uh, it, it's not speculation. Uh, I think there's a certain portion of that that comes due sooner that is probably putting more pressure on him, but it's certainly north of a billion dollars. That's I think right. that's indisputable. So, Mitch, um,
1: you, hold on, let's bring Mitch well, in here for a second. Thanks, Tim, yeah. but we'll keep rolling it around, don't worry. we got a lot to talk about and we got a lot of time. Mitch, um, you did his taxes, you started out back in the 80s, so nobody's gonna tell you anything about his practices and his predilections, but $421 million, personally guaranteed, After all the money he's had come in and all the different businesses he's been able to put together, are you surprised by that number?
4: Of course not. You know, when I worked on it, uh, he was going through terrible times. The divorce with Ivana, uh, the Taj Mahal debacle, and um, he actually took down some major banks. Uh, I don't know if anybody remembers Bankers Trust, but he had a $100 million unsecured line of credit with them. He paid three quarters of a point as a fee, and the the guys at Bankers Trust were thrilled, except he he paid one month's interest and then defaulted. Well, lo and behold, Deutsche Bank had to take over Bankers Trust. So it doesn't surprise me one bit. This is how he lived in the past. Now, he'll say, Mitch, he'll say... Yeah, I owe $400 million. Yeah, that's,
1: that's how you do business is you borrow money uh, and then you pay it back. I'm worth billions and billions in assets. I can pay this. They don't know what they're talking about.
4: Well, listen, first of all, I want to comment on, on what was said before. Personal tax returns do not reveal the amount of personal debt. OK, so I'm not sure how the New York Times came up with that number, but I agree that it's probably much higher. Explain that to me. Assume I know nothing about taxes. Well, on, on an individual tax return, all you talk about is income and expenses, not assets and liabilities. On a corporate return, you would have that. Right. But if it, if this debt is personal, then it won't be on reflected in any way on its tax return. So I'm not sure how the New York Times came up with that number.
2: Where would it be? I. Go it's, ahead, Tim, jump in. It's in, his pers- it's in his personal financial disclosures. These are government right. filings. There's at least $300 million disclosed in there. We've known that for right. two and a half years.
1: All right, so let's bring uh, the professor in here on this. Um, I got to tell you, you guys are going to hear from John Bolton later in the show. Um, I had to tape him before the show because uh, time constraints, and I really wanted him. David, can you believe that no one in our national security apparatus, allegedly, knew that he had this kind of money that he owed personally to lenders that may include foreign lenders?
5: Well, I'm not sure why they necessarily would ask, but uh, I do want to emphasize that Tim is exactly right here that uh, we have other records on Donald's debt and it's much more likely the neighborhood of a billion dollars. If Donald was solid, he wouldn't be signing uh, personal notes to secure that debt. He would be pledging the assets And we shouldn't make the assumption that Donald Trump's enormous reporting are actual losses. Uh, uh, Donald has a history of fabricating tax deductions. And if some of the losses he took are fabricated, it raises another national security question. Where'd the money go?
1: Mm. And uh, just to be clear, uh, Mitchell Zachary has said before that this is something that can happen and he knows New York is looking at it. Uh, He was never a part of it, he says, but if that's what he was doing, Um, He could be in real trouble. So, all right. So we have what this means. So the biggest question that we're left after with this is not a fishing expedition. How, Tim, does the president get around disclosing who he owes the money to?
2: Well, again, Chris, I think some of this has been disclosed. I think a large portion of it is to Deutsche Bank. Uh, We know from court filings that lots of money came into his organization from Eastern Europe in the mid 2000s when he went on a shopping spree. The Trump Soho Hotel was built with a lot of money from Eastern Europe. Um, I do think there's stuff that we don't that isn't in those tax returns about precise countries of origin. Uh, We know that some money comes from Turkey. We know some comes from the Philippines. I think Russia is the big mystery in all of this. Whatever the country is, the unifying tether in all of these is that you have a president in the Oval Office who either is indebted to foreign powers or is gonna go with his hand out to foreign powers and it's going to taint every public policy decision he makes, particularly anything involving national security or foreign policy.
1: Mitch, let's go to break on this idea.
2: So what are we worried about? We're worried about
1: the president doing something desperate uh, to accommodate his own financial situation and forget about his fiduciary responsibility to the rest of the American people. What do you know about the president in a situation like that that people should know?
4: Well, I don't want to get too political because I don't want to make enemies. However, right now, it appears that the president's only concern is getting reelected. And now we can see why. More importantly, Chris, we can see why he did not want these returns revealed, why he fought it so hard all the way up to the Supreme Court and then going back up the courts again, because this shows he is not who he pretends to be and never was.
1: And it's not just about puffery, you know, that's fine. He wants to say he's really rich. He's not quite as rich. It's What does it mean in terms of how vulnerable he is and how much he needs cash flow and how much he needs to do that to secure it? So let's talk about that. All right. Um, We're going to talk about what that means in terms of understanding what has to happen here. Hey, Mitchell Zachary, uh, Timothy O'Brien, David K. Johnson, I couldn't ask for better uh, guys than you on this. So we're going to keep talking about what matters because there are a lot of questions now that are going to have to be asked. Let's get after that. I believe in Trump because he's made so much money. Well, if you define your wealth by assets minus liabilities, you don't know much about Donald Trump in terms of how rich he is. And if you say, well, I trust him because I know he's looking out for me. He gets how that game is played. And he's going to help me. He's going to drain the swamp. And why doesn't he pay taxes and make sure guys like him benefit more than the rest of us on his watch? Because that's what he's doing. He's helping people like him not pay taxes and not people like you. Now, we go from politics to real problems. $400 million personally guaranteed with his cash flow sucking wind because of the pandemic, so much so that he's showing losses and not even paying taxes because he's losing so much money. The question every one of you should be asking is, whom does he owe all this money? Now, some of it is in public, but not all of it. And some of it is covered with corporate institutions. It doesn't mean that there aren't people behind those businesses that he owes. It's the question that makes him a target for foreign adversaries around the world. What do they know about what our president needs to make happen that we don't? We discussed this and the implications with the author of The Room Where It Happened, a White House memoir, Trump's former national security advisor, Ambassador John Bolton. Mr. Ambassador, thank you uh, for joining us on such an important night. Glad to be with you. Thanks for having me. So, sir, what is your general reaction to this news of the significant debt that our president owes that is personally guaranteed? Were you
3: aware of this before now? Uh, No, I was not. I mean, I've seen reporting on it. And uh, it certainly leads to a lot more questions than we've got answers at this point. Uh, Obviously, the New York Times has a lot of information, but it's also incomplete. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think prosecutors around the country are trying to get some of that information. They may have it more complete. But the nature, the complexity of the Trump Organization uh, finances, Trump's personal finances, lead to a lot of questions about how many of the transactions we know about are legitimate and how many are sham to avoid taxation or or, uh, other obligations. Uh,
1: For those at home, the ambassador has another title. He's also a lawyer. Uh, So it's not just national security expertise. Uh, He worked uh, with the Justice Department. He understands the law generally enough to understand this. Who lent him the money? You know, because personal guarantees are different. It's not that they're going to just come after his business. It's that this is something that puts a tremendous amount of pressure on him, obviously, personally. So from a NatSec perspective, what do you want to know about those loans? Forget about the tax burden.
3: Sure. You need to know the sources of the loans and you need to know the circumstances under which they were negotiated. You need to know more about the terms of the loan. You need to know whether they could be rolled over. So as I said, the, the Times, the New York Times has a lot of information. You can Not see bad. that from what they've written. Wh- wh- whether they've got enough to make a convincing case, I think the, the jury's still out on that, honestly. Yeah, I don't think they do. Uh, we don't know who he owes
1: the money to and what that means. We do know That in the first two years in the White House, his revenue from abroad totaled seventy three million dollars. So now you have a conflation here. You have two things coming together. Seventy three million dollars is a lot of money. Just like with the loans. Do you think a president of the United States should disclose the source of that kind of income from outside America?
3: Well, I'm personally opposed to a lot of the obligations that are put on all candidates to disclose things like uh, their tax returns, their medical history. If candidates want to do it, if they think it's in their interest, I think that's fine. I'd, I'd certainly like to know. You know, you have to be careful here on this business of money coming from overseas. Maybe it comes from Turnberry in Scotland. Maybe it comes from Dunbeg in Ireland. Maybe it, come, maybe it comes from other sources that are, that are not so benign. But these are the sorts of things that uh, somebody with Trump's business skills and experience, I would think, would be eager to tell the American public to show what a great businessman he is. Well, we're not talking uh, economics here. I would push back a little gently on that
1: by saying if he were such a great businessman, he wouldn't have to personally guarantee so many of these loans. Um, You know, we both understand that world. It is very rare for somebody who says they have the kind of money and access and leverage that uh, the president does to be personally guaranteeing uh, these types of situations. Uh, The reason I'm asking though is about, uh, you say you don't like a lot of these disclosures. Okay, but you also said that the president doesn't like to pay attention to intelligence assessments and doesn't like to read any reports. So what is framing his disposition towards foreign countries where he has interests. You know, if he's not reading the intel, if he's not leading to y- listening to you, where does he get his opinions
3: on these people and places? Well, look, a lot of people have drawn the conclusion that he's making decisions based on a potential uh, personal or corporate economic gain in some of these countries in Moscow where he wants a Trump Tower, in Turkey where they already have a a building in Istanbul, that sort of thing. I think that's entirely possible but I don't think we have evidence there that proves it and I just think uh, I've not been shy about criticizing Donald Trump at all just think when you make the criticism you better have the evidence to back it up and right now I think we're in agreement on this there's not enough there. Yeah, I'm only talking about the debt, so
1: I agree with you. You know, if we want to talk about his ta- tax burden and what he said before about what he pays and now, those, that's all fair game. We're dealing with that elsewhere in the show. But my biggest concern is what we don't know, and not because I like to do a fishing expedition. I disagree with you about the disclosure requirements uh, from candidates, especially for president, especially this uh, sophisticated of somebody with financial transactions, because from a national security perspective, How can you keep the country safe if you don't
3: know where the president may have potential conflicts? Well, I think that's why each candidate should make the decision whether it's in their interest to put it out there. And if people don't care where the money comes from, that's a choice they can make too. I just think from Donald Trump's perspective, his holdings are so varied and his success has been so great. Why wouldn't he want to tell people Uh, Why Why did he he hide the taxes? Why doesn't he want us to have them? Because think about it, John, if you had
1: personally guaranteed loans, okay, of a significant amount, you'd have a hard time with the government in your clearance process, would you not? Especially in terms of
3: confidentiality and what level of classification they'd give you. Sure. Look, they would ask a lot of questions to find out the answers to whether you would be compromised because of the sources of the debt. And I think that's perfectly legitimate. And I think when Trump refuses to give the answer to those questions, people would be perfectly entitled to hold that against him because if he has nothing to hide, he shouldn't hide it. Right, if you were trying to hire
1: some big shot hedge fund guy to help you when you were on the inside of government and you found out he had personally guaranteed loans, he says, none of your business. I'm gonna work this job for free for you. Don't worry, I'm good. Would you give him a job?
3: of course not. And that that I think is why it's legitimate. Uh, We'll see and perhaps in the debate tomorrow night if Biden calls him on this. Uh, I don't think the New York Times timing the publication is accidental. So it's up for grabs tomorrow night in the first debate. True. It is right here on the eve of the big debate.
1: And to be honest, as you know, Ambassador, we've been asking for this information for years. Ambassador John Bolton, thank you for your perspective. Thanks for having me. So there you have John Bolton saying you wouldn't be able to hire somebody in the kind of situation that Donald Trump is, but he could be our commander in chief and not tell us about any of these things. Yes, some of them are in public. Yes, some of them have been in filings. But who, what are the connections? Who are the people? You need to know. How could we not know? He just told you he couldn't hire somebody like that. But we did. Let's bring in the former FBI counter espionage chief and author of Compromised, Counterintelligence and the Threat of Donald J. Trump. Perfect title for a book tonight, Pete Strzok. Thank you for joining us.
5: Chris, it's good to be here. Thank you.
1: So uh, we don't have to do high finance 101 uh, about leverage and how you do it. If you have a great business, you got plenty of collateral for people to lend against. You don't wind up personally guaranteeing it. Um, That is the case with Donald Trump though, because what he says about what he owns and all that, but that guys around him, the men and women keeping us safe, don't know the extent of who he owes money to and what it is and didn't ask him about it in all likelihood,
5: or at least it seems that way talking to Bolton. What does that lead us to understand? Chris, what it leads us to understand is if Donald Trump applied for a job in the U.S. intelligence community, he would never get a clearance. He wouldn't make it in the front door. Countless times in my career, I either turned down people for clearances or recommended they be removed for two reasons. One is income from foreign sources, and two is indebtedness, and not just indebtedness to foreign nations, but any large in debt period. And so when you look at Trump, when you look at the figure you just threw out, $73 million in foreign income, almost half a billion dollars of debt coming due in the next four or five years, no one would ever get a clearance based on that. And there's no way the president of our nation should be allowed to have that sort of undisclosed uh, financial indebtedness or, or connections
1: you agree with what Bolton was saying?
5: Oh, look, I think I, I, I disagree a lot with what the ambassador was saying. I don't think it is so much an issue of whether or not it's up to Trump to decide whether or not to disclose his information. The problem is the president is actively concealing this information. It isn't a choice. It is the fact that as time and time again. He's saying things that not only are concealing the truth, but he's also lying about it. So when you hear all this money that's coming out of Russia, the $13 million that's coming out of Turkey, the money that's coming out of the Philippines, the money nation after nation after nation, it's not so much that, oh, it's there and he chose not to disclose it. It's the fact that it's there, he's actively hiding it, and he's fighting tooth and nail to prevent it from becoming public. And all of that is known to all of those foreign nations. Why do you think the FBI or Mueller and
1: his team didn't pull his taxes?
5: Well, I don't know what the FBI ultimately did. With Mueller, I think it's because it was outside of the scope of what he was mandated to do. The special counsel regulations say that he reported to the attorney general, and they also that his activities are bound by the special counsel regulations. So that's inherently limiting. And he is answering to somebody in DOJ rather than doing his own independent look. But I do think this is absolutely something that the FBI should have done. Maybe they did it, but I suspect they didn't, because I would have expected to hear about it if they had. But it absolutely is clear now that we have to get to the bottom of his you know, financial uh, picture.
1: What jumps out at you from the taxes and uh, that we haven't discussed, if anything? And uh, what do you think the main questions are posed by what you've learned from The Times reporting?
5: The biggest thing that worries me right now is what is coming due in the years ahead. I think back to Eric Trump's statement in 2014. We don't rely on American banks. We have all the funding we need out of Russia. Think about that. He said that in 2014. So if you don't need to rely on American banks, if you have nearly half a billion dollars of debt coming due, who's going to back up that debt? Who are you going to turn to? And who are you going to do that in the context of everything that you have refused to say and make known to the American public? We have to get to the bottom of understanding this only because we need to understand what foreign adversaries are doing to attack America and to help shore up our national security. And you know who should want to tell us the most?
1: Donald John well, the Trump. president should, Absolutely.
5: It's because, absolutely right. You
1: know, if he's like, hey, this is not fair. Okay. It's Deutsche Bank. All right. And who's giving them their money to, his, to loan to me? I don't, I don't know. That's their business. He should want us to know because if this is unfair, if these questions are easily satisfied because the suggestion of the question is not a good one for the president. So he can answer it and he should want to do it most just to shut it up. We'll see if he does. Peter Strzok, thank you very much.
5: Chris, great to be here. Thank you. All right.
1: Now, something breaking on our watch uh, that we have to deal with. Bombshell report again from The New York Times. Trump officials are accused of trying to pressure the CDC to downplay the risk of sending our kids back to school. Now, I know the president just said, oh, we're going to ramp up testing. You know, yeah, he's doing that right before the first debate. And as we're winding down to the election, 150 million tests, that would help. Would have helped a hell of a lot more six weeks ago. And you and I in different pocketed areas may not be dealing with the suck that we're dealing with our kids when it comes to our schooling. But up next, we're going to talk to the former White House staffer who says she played a key role in this effort and now regrets it. The one and only Olivia Troy, former top aide to Mike Pence. That backbencher stuff is BS. She was the top aide to Mike Pence on these issues. Next. we have new reporting from the New York Times tonight. No, not about Trump's taxes. That's a different Times report. This one just came out and it details how top White House officials pressured the CDC over the summer to downplay the risk of sending kids back to school. That efforts that effort included Dr. Deborah Burtz, but also Uh, She's the White House's COVID response coordinator, but also officials working for the VP, Mike Pence, including his chief of staff, Mark Short. Now, one of the sources for this reporting uh, is former staff member Olivia Troy. Short dispatched, she says, junior members of the vice president's staff to circumvent the CDC in search of data he thought might better support the White House's position. The report notes one instance in late June in which White House officials, including Troy, spoke to top CDC officers asking for data that could show the low risk of infection and death for school-age children, a snazzy, easy-to-read document. Olivia Troy resigned last month as Pence's Homeland Security Advisor, not a backbencher. They're lying about that. After months working with the Coronavirus Task Force, she left, they say she was fired, They've put out no proof that that's true. She has been publicly speaking out since then and has endorsed Joe Biden. But I'm not here to talk politics. I'm here to talk policy. Welcome to Primetime. Olivia, can you hear me?
6: I can. Hi, Chris, how are you?
1: Thank you for taking the opportunity. Now, all this goes away as wrong if Mark Short, people like you, and anybody else involved All were in good faith in saying, well, scrub the data. Maybe it's not as bad as people say it is. Uh, Now, the suggestion in the piece is no. They knew damn well it wasn't um, asking for the truth. It was asking for some way to get around the truth. What's your take?
6: I think that's an accurate statement, Chris. I saw this firsthand. I I lived it. Um, It's my nightmare. To be honest, my nightmare to tell, unfortunately, this was an effort, you know, at times where I would get blindsided, where there would be junior staffers being tasked to find different data for charts that would show that the virus wasn't as bad for certain populations, ages, or demographics. And it was hard for me. I, I was seeing what Dr. Brooks was briefing early in the early morning briefings on a daily basis. I was seeing what the CDC was writing. They were doing the work. They were the scientists. I mean, far be it for me to spin it. Uh, I don't know where I'd even begin to get the data. I'm not a scientist. I'm a homeland security, national security professional working on a crisis on this invisible enemy. Um, So it was, it, it was what was going on behind the scenes.
1: What was the motivation to deceive people about the risks our kids would face if we went back to school, especially the way we were being forced to go back to school without the kind of tests that we need, the number of tests we need, uh, the kind of guidance for how to trace cases and to staff it and to fund all that. What was the rationale for why we ne- you needed to do this anyway?
6: Well, I think you've seen from the beginning the president's narrative has been everything's fine, everything's okay, time to go back to normal. Let's get the economy going again. That's what he ran on. That was his platform. You know, he wanted states to to in good faith like show that they were opening back up. He told the governors, you know, you need to open you need to open the schools. You need to go, you know, try to make it seem like everything's okay when in reality it's not and I think it's because this response has been so broken along the way that it was anything to tell anything but the truth. And fact of the matter is, these are children and teachers that we're talking about.
1: And their families. Our future generation. And everybody who, you know, they come into contact with. And yeah, you're right. You know, everybody always loves to say, we gotta take care of the kids, gotta do the right thing by kids. Um, now, on the CDC side, What was the response as far as you were aware of Burks and the other ones in terms of being asked to kind of hedge on the reality?
6: I think it put these task force members and doctors in a very challenging position. I saw them struggle firsthand on a daily basis. I have spoken about the fact that I've not been critical of the task force because I've seen it, how hard it has been for them on a daily basis. I've seen I've seen Dr. Redfield try to figure out how he's going to navigate this political landscape while representing the true evidence of what the scientists and the experts back at CDC and that all the doctors were telling him.
1: Redfield there's reporting out that he was heard on a plane saying that Dr. Atlas, who's now in favor with the president, that everything he says Atlas isn't true. Uh, Were you aware of that animosity when you were there?
6: I didn't see Scott Atlas. He got there shortly after my departure, but I certainly know that this is in keeping with the president wanting to hear from experts or people who are in line what, with what his truth and his own personal reality is, and I'm sure that it's got to be very challenging for people like Dr. Redfield, including Dr. Burks and others, and Dr. Fauci, who's been talking about this, who are trying to actually tell the president the facts of the reality of the situation, and you have one voice in the room who's specifically been brought in to push the other voices out and be the, be, be the loudest. And that's the one that he will hear and repeat. And you saw that Dr. Atlas was one of the briefings. You haven't seen the others that have been working on this from day one.
1: Mm. Uh, the VP, was he aware of the effort to uh, pull a fast one? on all the families that were gonna be sending their kids back to school, give them a false sense of security?
6: Chris, I'm gonna be honest with you. I, I struggle with that morally on a daily basis, but the vice president's wife is a school teacher and I know that he had very strong feelings about making sure that we were looking out for their safety and looking out for the good of children. I don't know what kind of information Mark shared about what he was tasking behind the scenes. That was part of my decision on why I left, to be honest with you. It was it was a difficult dynamic that I was navigating.
1: Did you tell the VP that it was going on when you decided to leave or at any point?
6: I think I'd rather not address personal conversations with the vice president. Um, okay. That's just a conversation between me and him.
1: Listen, that's fine. Uh, he, why am I asking? Because if he was concerned about giving the straight deal to families about their kids because his wife is a teacher, he certainly never said it. He's never come out in public and said, hey, going to school has got to be done the right way. We have to do better than we're doing right now. Um, we need more money. We need more resources. You know, this is uh, dangerous stuff. Uh, it seems like if that was something he really cared about, he could speak to it. He certainly hasn't. Is that just one more example of how the message is controlled in-house?
6: Absolutely. Uh, you know, everyone has a boss. And unfortunately for Vice President Pence, his boss is Donald Trump. Mm.
1: Olivia Troy, I appreciate you coming on, especially with the timing of this report. Thank you for giving us a look inside um, our government and what's being done supposedly in our name and in our service. Thank you very much.
6: Thank you, Chris, for having me on. And I, I've been praying for you and I hope you're feeling so much better. I've been thank thinking you.
1: About you. Hey, listen, the more we learn about the reality, the better I feel. So thank you very much. Right? Thank you. Um, I mean that, by the way. Why? Because we knew this stuff has to be going on. It doesn't make any sense. How can you send kids back to school when you know you can't test them and you know they don't have the resources? And you know we're on all these crazy, Listen to my kid's schedule. My senior is gonna go one out of every four weeks in person the other three weeks at home. My freshman in high school, these great private schools, right? Lots of resources, lots of big brains, innovation. He's going two days a week every tuesday and thursday my little one was not that little anymore but she's in 5th grade right big year she's at the big shot school right they go to one school the son goes the other one she's in once every other other every other week so one every 4 weeks one every other week and one two days a week are you kidding me that you and I'm lucky right i got the money i got people who can help me my wife and i we got you know full family to be able to do things this is the best we can do for our kids it makes perfect sense that they have been jazzing us about what the reality is about the risk because they don't wanna control it, because they don't wanna own it because the more they own it, the more real it is, the more this president is exposed to the reality that he ignored this pandemic. And now we know from the taxes that he has absolutely no personal interest in owning this because every day it goes on where he gets his money is closed down. Where is the incentive to do the right thing by us? in this administration. The kids tell the story. We couldn't do better for schools in the United States of America. Come on. Now look, that's about our leadership and our politics, and there's an election coming up. But there are bigger questions raised by these taxes, okay? Law, criminality, okay? What, what? Where, where would that lead? Why is that real to look at after what we've now learned? No one knows better than a former IRS commissioner and a former state attorney general and prosecutor. And they are here next to tell you the real deal. All right, we know now that the president has problems uh, with the IRS. And we know that those problems have nothing to do with his faith in the almighty. After what you now know about his taxes, can you believe that when I asked him why he gets audited, back in 2016,
2: he told me this. I'm always audited by the IRS, which I think is very unfair. I don't know, maybe because of religion, maybe because of something else, maybe because I'm doing this, although this is just recently. What do you mean religion? Well, maybe because of the fact that I'm a strong Christian and I feel strongly about it and maybe there's a bias.
1: He thinks he gets audited because of his strong Christian faith. Maybe he gets audited because his faith in his ability to cheat or subvert the system. Doesn't mean it's illegal. But maybe that's why they look, because he says to the entire world that he's worth a gazillion dollars and then he doesn't pay any taxes. Maybe that's why he gets flagged. Let's dive into the peril our president is facing with two people who know the world of tax law, former IRS commissioner John Koskinen and former New Jersey AG Ann Milgram. Good to see you both. Good to be here. All right, let's do this uh, for dummies version. I'll start with you, former AG, um, Professor Milgram. Uh, What's the difference? When does evasion, um, you know, when does not paying taxes, because you can find a way to work it or fudge it, become a problem legally?
7: Yeah, so that's that's I think is one of the key questions here, and one of the sort of dividing lines is often about what someone intends um, and what their conduct encompasses. People make mistakes on their taxes all the time. I'm sure the commissioner um, will attest to that. But there's a real difference between calculated, intentional, fraudulent conduct, and the question here. And you know, remember, we only have the tax returns right now. And we don't have, there's a lot of other behind the scenes information about the president's net worth, about who he owes this money to. There are a ton of pieces here that we would want more if we're thinking about a tax fraud case. But on its face, it raises a lot of questions about the president's intent to circumvent the tax laws of our country.
1: Tax avoidance is an action taken to lessen tax liability and maximize after tax income. Tax evasion, the failure to pay or deliberate underpayment of taxes. Obviously, the second one gets you in trouble. The first one is what all of us are trying to do. Um, Now, uh, Commissioner, um, what we learned in here was that he finds a lot of ways um, to say that he doesn't make any money, so he doesn't pay tax. The problem is. If you are, at what point, Commissioner, does giving a bank one set of um, qualifications for lending to you, but a different one to the IRS in terms of your tax burden, when does that become a problem? You got to be lying to somebody there, no?
8: Well, let me start by saying that no commissioner ever sees an individual's tax return, so I haven't seen anybody's tax returns, including uh, the president's. Uh, But it's clear there are uh, legal ramifications of misrepresenting your financial uh, information to a bank. Uh, There are laws that surround uh, the need to be uh, forthcoming and fair. And then there are obvious uh, clear rules about misrepresenting uh, your assets, your income and your expenses uh, on your tax return to the IRS. And if there are conflicts uh, between those, uh, as you say, you would expect that they would be more or less similar Uh, And if there are conflicts and you're misrepresenting in one place or another, uh, whoever is, uh, (coughs) whomever you've been uh, providing the wrong information to has legal uh, recourse against you.
1: Commissioner, what did you see in uh, the reporting from The New York Times that popped your eyebrows?
8: Well, what's interesting, as I have always told people, is there's a limited amount you learn from somebody's tax return. As you think of your own tax return, you have income, you take deductions, you see what the charitable contributions are. It doesn't tell you anything, as earlier in the program people noted, about your assets and your liabilities. It doesn't tell you who you're in business with. So you need to know a lot more. For instance, you wouldn't know how much you owe and when it's due on just a straightforward tax return. But the article talks about tax records. So it leads you to conclude that uh, the writers at The New York Times have more than just the tax returns. uh, They have tax records that would give them information uh, such as how much money is owed and when it's coming due.
1: And when you take a look at how uh, the tax return shows the the president and the company treating the kids, um, that uh, Ivanka is... Uh, it seems in some way kind of double dipping. When is double dipping, not to use it uh, as a nefarious term, but when is being paid as a project manager and also a consultant, when does that get sticky? When does, um, you know, Don Jr. using those kinds of funds to pay uh, money to be defended, um, you know, when do those things become more than a tax event?
7: Yeah, I mean, it's a great question, Chris, because there are a lot of red flags when you look at this there's what you first started talking about were that the kids seem to have been listed as business as business consultants and so there's over twenty million dollars that appears to have been paid out to particularly Ivanka the New York Times did some work to to link up her assets with with the payment as a business consultant while she was working at the Trump Organization so if you're an employee of an organization you're an employee of the organization and you can be paid whether you're paid as an employee or as a consultant but all that is subject to payroll taxes and other things and it looks like that's not what the intent was here it looks like the intent was to just have a bunch of money that they could use to write off and so you're talking again about 20 million dollars in business expenses being written in consultant expenses that are being written off. And so we need to see more to know whether an actual crime was committed there. But it certainly looks like it's an it, it looks like there's a potential effort there to avoid paying taxes. And there are a couple other areas where I think um, the kids also come into play with the Seven Springs, the, the residence where the kids refer to it as a compound. President Trump has taken it as an investment property. So there are a number of things like that that just they really don't look right. And Prosecutors, I am certain, will want to look further and dig deeper into this.
1: Now, look, first of all, uh, John, and thank you very much for your insight into this. I appreciate it. Um, and we will probably have to rely on one or both of you again and soon uh, as we learn more about the context of this. So thank you. And again, uh, in the reporting of this, it's not about accusing the president of anything or doing anything wrong. Lots of ways to work the system. We see that all the time. But it's about the questions. And we definitely have an answer to one of them. If to nothing else, which is, you now know why he didn't want you to see his taxes. The Biden-Trump debate tomorrow night. You can watch it right here on CNN. Special coverage begins at 7 p. That's all for me. Time for the best part of my night. CNN tonight with D. Lemon right
9: now. We will be on the real deal shift tomorrow night. <laughs> CNN after dark. Yes. <laughs> so uh, you're ready. Uh, I have, I have to, so stay tuned. I have some uh, reporting about the Biden um, Debate preps that I'm going to give to our viewers, but there you go. Tantalizing. But are you ready? Are you ready for our thing? Because you know it's just us talking. They just turn the cameras on and we go. That's a lot of trouble that we can get in. Uh, no way. It's insight,
1: baby. It's insight. We break it down for people. It's the real deal. We give them the real day deal. <laughs> well, yeah, we, the hours are easy. We love working from 1 a.m. to 3 a.m. All day, hundo p.
9: <laughs> right.
1: So, what, let me tell you, you something. About? We now know why he wanted to hide the taxes, Don Lemon.
9: Didn't we know? Okay, no. We now have proof of what we were saying about him and the taxes. We all knew. Everybody knows. Come on, Chris. You're from a New York family. You've been, you're have been. you a New Yorker. You've been here all your life. You already knew, didn't you? What does that mean? We all cheat on our taxes? No, <laughs> but you, it, means, it means you've been around long enough to know... Uh, Donald Trump's M.O., to know about him, to know how he handles business, to know how he stiffs contractors, and, and so on, to know how uh, litigious he is, that he sues everyone and then waits for them to... You,
1: 421 4 million, million yes, dollars Yes, and in I, personally guaranteed loans means, one, those guys and women, anybody who was a lender, didn't see enough value in your assets uh, of the company that they were lending against, that they wanted to catch as much of you as they could, which doesn't speak well of uh, what they valued your asset at, that yeah. they were, you know, the main loan was about. And you got to know who mm-hmm. does he, some of it's in public, but some of it isn't. Who does he owe the money to? Yeah.
9: Uh, and that's the question. Who does he owe the money to? Who is he beholden to? Who, how does that compromise him as the president of the United States and our national security? And then us, Americans, right? Mm-hmm. Because it certainly compromises us. But I have to tell you, that's important and we're going to talk about it. But as I talk to everyday folks, and you know I include uh, my mother as one of my unofficial folks. Kitchen groups. cabinet. Kitchen cabinet. And she said she's so ticked off because she remembers, at this point she's retired, so she's good. Um, she doesn't like having to pay all those taxes, but she pays them, she can afford to pay them now. But she said when we were coming along and she was a single mom and you know, when my, after my dad had died, and she said she would have to pay her taxes in increments. And if she didn't pay it on time, she would get; they would be hired, she would get charged for them. And the idea of someone who brags about how rich they are and how great a business person they are, to pay no taxes or to pay $750 in taxes is the height of insulting to the American people, especially the working class people who you are supposed to represent. None of those working class people have the privilege that he has to pay no taxes or to pay $750 in taxes. Can you imagine if we, you or I could pay $750 in taxes? I'd be jumping up and down, running around the corner right now. you know what it's called? Systemic inequality.
1: Happens on the basis of color, happens on the basis of class. And remember, there are all these men and women and families out there right now who are banking on Donald Trump to change the game. He knew the game, he'd expose the game. He's made it worse. Yeah. He's took care of people like him in the COVID bill. He took care of people like him in his tax bill that he said was middle class. It wasn't. Yeah, It wasn't. It he was made not. the game solidified for people like him.
9: Well, and that's where I'm going to begin. Thank you, brother. I'll see you.
1: You'll do it better and yeah. I'll be watching. I All love right.
0: you, D. Love you too, brother. I'll talk to you later. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number 1 in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.
9: Now streaming exclusively on Max, a new CNN Flashdoc about the album that has Nashville talking, Call Me Country: Beyoncé and Nashville's Renaissance. Watch it at maxcom Country.